Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiomi again. We are going through the book of Mark. We are now in chapter 10. And as I read, I will stop and give some comments. That will enlighten us more. Verse, chapter 10, verse 1. Mark chapter 10, verse 1. And he arose from thence and comment into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. Verse 2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. Now, why are they asking about putting away his wife? They, were, they wanted to divorce their wives because they always have those issues when they think a woman is not uh, obeying them. They want to get rid of the woman and, and marry another one. Verse 3. And the Lord is going to answer that. He's going to address that. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And he said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put away a bill of divorcement, a paper, so that the man, woman can go and marry somebody else if, if she wants. That's what he said Moses wrote for them. Verse 5, Jesus Christ was going to straighten that one out. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. That is, Moses wrote that to them because they have hardened hearts. Which means God didn't intend that divorce should be allowed in the first place. But human beings, they wanted this thing, and Moses said, okay, you can do it that way. Did Moses divorce his own wife when he was uh, preaching? Well, there was a time he sent the woman back to his father, but not to divorce, because he was going to be doing a, a serious work in Egypt. And the Bible says he sent his wife back to Media. But when they were now in the wilderness, the father-in-law brought the wife to come and meet them, so it's also a separate, it's also divorce. It's more like, hey, it's better for you to stay with your, in, in your family because things are getting rough here right now. The, you don't know whether, whether Pharaoh is going to arrest all of them or kill them, you know. But they were, they were just, just sending the woman and the children back until they were now free to go, and they were now in the wilderness, for I know brought the wife of Moses back. So, Moses himself did not divorce, but he, he wrote them this, this, uh, Bill and the Lord says this for the hardness of your heart, you wrote you this precept. Verse 6 says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. See, if there are no more two people, it's now one flesh, then there should be no cutting apart. That's what Christ is saying. That's what Christ teaches. Verse 9. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. I believe that was the first mention of that phrase. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Because they are now two. One, twin become one. Now verse 10. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. I mean, the disciples were following all that the Pharisees have been saying along. But it looked like Christ is making it tougher. And they wanted to get more clarity on this. Verse 11. 
And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committed adultery against her. That is how serious it is. He that put away his wife and marry another committed adultery against her, against the wife, the first wife. Why? Because now you are sleeping with somebody else. That's adultery. Also. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committed adultery. So you see the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to the, to the Jews in that generation. You may say, well, is that... So people try to use this and say, this is only talking, it's still, talking, still teaching them about the law of Moses. But when Christ came, because after, after the crucifixion, when the church is started, it's a new day. A new day does not mean that they can now divorce. A new day does not mean that they can now be remarried. Well, you see that in the book of the letters of Apostle Paul. But it's a new day in that Christ is giving us a new change of spirit, a change of heart. But they don't have a change of heart, a change of spirit. They were all just, like somebody said, it's the Old Testament is written for the, for the spiritually dead people. They don't have the life of new, the new birth in their life. So they were struggling to obey those laws. So Moses wrote this one for them. So they are all just following what Moses wrote and say, well, you can put the woman in. Well, what about those who are marrying three or four or five wives? If, if those are also permitted in the days of Moses also. Because if you say, if you divorce this one, marry another one, you are committing adultery against that wife that you separated from. Well, what about if you actually have two or three? So many of them not just have two or three or four. This one that is the first one is still married to the, that one. But they are not really given any due believfulness because they think she's she's not obedient to them. So they went and got a one, another one that they think would be obedient for a while. But that one also is no more as respond as uh, respectful. You got the third one. So they are always living with the youngest. Why? Because all these are old, old, old ladies that are no more going to be. They are no more yes sir type of uh, women. So that is really what was going on in their generation. That's why many people will marry three or four. Because the first one is no more yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, wife. So they go to the second one that's the younger. That's respecting them until that one gets enough uh, courage to be saying no. Refuse to do what the man is wanting to do. So that is the life of humanity. It's just the nature has to be changed. If this nature is not changed, human beings always fall into that. Fall into the arrogance and pride. Both the women will get arrogant and pride because of after being familiar with the man for after a while. They are no more yes sir to, to the man anymore so that is what makes them to be married three or four or five or, of course and then lost they want more children or they want uh, more more frivolity with sex so because when the woman is having period uh, they don't have sex when they have little babies they don't want to have sex and the man is not well placed and they want to get second get third get fourth and many of them are all in that generation are doing all of those things because when we have a new heart a new change of spirit the that is the Bible said, we crucify the flesh. You that are born of, of God, we have crucified the flesh with the affections and love. So the flesh that wanted three or four, five, these are crucified. So you see that in all the other teachings of uh, that we have presented in the book of uh, Corinthians. So let's continue here with uh, chapter 10 that we are reading of Mark. Verse 13. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, 
and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Christ is saying that we have to come like a little child that is teachable. Because little children are teachable. They don't assume they know everything. They are listening to their parents and just swallowing it in. That is what, how he wants us to also behave like little children. So that we can be teachable and God can teach us and show us things to come. Verse 16. And the Lord took them, says, He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Verse 17. I'm reading Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, this man wanted to inherit eternal life. And when you look at what is eternal life, Christ will define that we were talking about that in the Gospel of John chapter 17. Christ said, this is eternal life. Life eternal. They know the, the only true God. And Jesus Christ him that has sent. That is life eternal. But now they were, this man is saying, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And look at explanation crisis because they knew about eternal life in that generation that is going to be eternal life to them means they went out heaven. They will not be destroyed in any lake of hell. The Christ said, eternal life starts right from now. When you know the Father and know Jesus Christ. Knowing him is in you and you are living in him. Okay. But Christ was going to lead the man to that by telling him that. In verse 16, Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these are fire observed from my youth. The man said, Well, I always observe those. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. They said, Well, yeah, you are, you, are doing, you are doing fine when it comes to the law. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Now, this is what the man lacked that God is, that the Lord is going to tell him, which is exactly what is the requirement, really. The requirement. For anyone that is going to enter heaven is to follow Jesus. So then thou follow Jesus. That is really the requirement. Not the law of Moses. You have to keep all those laws. No. The requirement is to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you will be keeping those laws because you will be, the logical will be inside you. And the one is inside us by the Holy Ghost. And that is what the, the requirement is not going to tell him because he first tell him what the law tells them. And the man says, well, I'm already half past when it comes to the law. Okay. And you know that the man say he, he passed when he comes to love, but he's not sure of the eternal life. He doesn't know. Is this enough for eternal life? But it's not, evidently, it's not enough for eternal life. The law of Moses is not enough for eternal life. The, what is enough is follow Jesus. The, so the law of Moses actually was preparing people for the Messiah. That's what the Apostle Paul writes. That the law was our schoolmaster to prepare us for the true the Messiah which shall come. So, this man said, according to the law of Moses, what you listen, I pass. The Lord looked at him and said, yeah, 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 but that's not enough. Look at this, verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, 
and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross, take up the cross and follow me. Now, everybody have thought the man, the problem of the man is that he has so much things, because that's what the Bible said. He has so much wealth, that is why he, this one hurt him so much. But see that giving, giving up all those things is not what he's going to give, get him to heaven, no. Giving up everything that he has is not what is going to take him to heaven. It's not what is going to give him eternal life. Which means poverty is not a guarantee that you have eternal life. Because there are many poor people that are not believing in Christ and they are going to hell also. See, what then is the eternal life? It is the second part of it. Take up the cross and follow me. That is what we give the eternal life. That is the requirement. And that's what Christ said. Anyone that wants to follow me must carry your cross. Forsake all. That's what the man was wrestling with. The wealth he has. But see, that wealth is disturbing him. But what he really needs is to follow Christ. If you are following Christ, you have no time for this wealth that is pulling you. So the requirement is actually take up the cross and follow Christ. That's the requirement to have that eternal life. Because say, this is eternal life, knowing the true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's eternal life. And Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, this is what Apostle John wrote. First John chapter 5 verse 13 says, These things are fire written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. If you believe on the name of the Son of God, you have eternal life. Not that you will have it, you already have it. So what then is eternal life? Knowing Jesus, knowing God is eternal life. Because Jesus now in you is eternal life. Only those who Jesus Christ is living in them are going to live forever on this, this new heaven and new world that's coming. That's that eternal life. So that is what why is written. Right? He said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So we have eternal life when we believe on the name of the Son of God, when we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to this man, Yeah, you have been trying your best. Mark chapter 10. Say, but one thing you lack, what that man lacks is that he's not following Christ. Not that he's, all the wealth he has is, is uh, holding him back. This wealth that he has is going to hold him back from following Christ. But that's why Christ said, go get rid of those. And then take up your cross and follow me. And that is the requirement for everyone that is going to follow Christ. Take up your cross and follow Christ. That will give you eternal life. Verse 22. And the man was sad at that sin and went away grieved for he had great possessions. He said, thought it was the possession. It was that he couldn't get rid of the possession. I can follow Christ. Is the real issue. He has to come and follow Christ. Now, Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at this words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it? For them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God, if they are trusting the riches. That was the problem of that man. He's trusting everything that he has stockpiled for himself that this will keep me for so many years. This will keep me for so many years. This will keep me for many years. That is not going to do it because are you rich towards heaven, towards God? Because all those things that he stockpiled with the he died. 
But you see, he reached also when he faced God. Anytime he went to face God, you see, he reached it. That is very important. That's why Christ said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a lilu than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So don't trust in those riches. We can't trust in all that we have stockpiled. Trust in the Lord God who is able to provide for us. From nothing, He can provide for us. And just follow Him. Verse 26. And the disciples were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. For with God, all things are possible. Now, let's look at this this week. Let's look at men of old that have gone, we know they are accepted by God, like Abraham. Abraham was a rich person. But he was not trusting in those riches. He was following the Lord. He was walking with the Lord. That is very important. If you are walking with the Lord and following Him, He will be giving you riches. You, you don't trust in those riches. They are just tools that you are using to do your business. They are not. But trust in the Lord. And He will take care of everything on His left. That's why it is for, for with God all time. God tested Abraham. Yeah, he passed. God tested Abraham anyway, he passed. That is very important. We all may be tested on how faithful we are to the Lord. That is very important. But if you are if you are if you are feeling those tests where you are thinking you you are you are con- concerned about yourself, your livelihood, how you're going to make it, that will make you have no time enough for God. So that's why there was test for Abraham. Everybody will have to pass through a test to show that they are standing with God. They are ready to give up everything for God. And that is what you see in the story of Abraham. He was a rich man, but when God said, give up even this son that you love so much, he was ready to go give it up. That is the heart that fear God and love God and follow God. And that is what is the requirement. Look at this man. God said, go and sell everything you have. Take your crown and come and follow me. I don't think he was ready to go and give up those. That is the issue. So don't trust in your riches. That's why Christ said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, a rich man that is trusting in his riches. That for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. For, how hard is it for that, them that trust in riches? How hard it is it for them to enter into the kingdom of God? But with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Because God took great men of old through troubles until they are only looking unto God. Then God said, Now they are trusting Him. Remember the story of Job. Everything he had, it's only taken away. And his health taken away. And he was now just looking unto God. Ready to go and meet God. And God now said, now you are trusting me. And God restored everything back to him. But he was tested for that. The same way we tell everyone that is going through trial times, hard times, it makes you to look unto God. And I say, you are my holy hope, Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or saying, forgetting every other thing, I'm just looking unto you, Lord Jesus Christ. Man, you are my hope. You are my deliverer. You are my shepherd. I am nothing without you. Then, when we are trusting on that, then he's saying we are passed. We passed the test. So, that is really very, very important because he say, with God, all things are possible. No matter how rich you are, God can get you in there. You may have to go through some, some drills, some trial times. But if you get you there, it is God is dealing with hearts. Verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. I mean, Peter was saying, we have followed you. So what are we going to get? Verse 29. 
And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is, no, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. And in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Now the Lord is giving us assurance, like a comfort. Uh, you give up everything. You say you will receive it right here. You will receive everything you give up. You give up your parents, your families, kick you out because you follow Christ. You receive new families. Believers that will love you, that you say we are all together in this, and they are following Jesus Christ like you are following Jesus Christ. That will be your new family. That's your brother, your mother, your father. Your, they are coming. They are, you get new ones like that. See, we also have persecution. You say with persecution. They didn't take persecution away. Persecution is what your parents, the former parents, want to beat you or want to kill you. That's persecution. Or the government that you are, that is ruining your country, wanted to kill you because you believe in Christ. That's persecution. Or the false religionists, jihadists, and so on, they want to kill you because you believe in Christ. Those will be allowed. But God also will defend some people from being persecuted. But he said, there will be persecution. Even though you have new family, new children, new land, and so on, so God said, He can even give you all the other food of what you give up. But there will be persecution along with that. See, there are some that are first available among the apostles, even some of them that are sent out, like Judas Iscariot was kicked out also in the end. So that's what there are some that will be first and shall be last. Verse 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, that is the Gentiles shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now that the Lord was prophesying and telling them about what is coming to happen when he when he goes to use him the final time, the crucifixion. So, but they were hearing these things, they didn't want to accept it. They are more like in denial and say, No, this will never happen to you. Also, so they were not putting their mind to all this he was saying. But when it finally happened, they were all scattered. Now, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come with him unto him, saying, Master, we will that thou should do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What will ye that I should do for you? He said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. Now let's see this story of in the other gospel says they actually brought their mother to come and help them ask Jesus that they wanted to be James and John wanted to be sitting on the right and the left of the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Well, they were already in a circle, you know. So the only person that is next that is with them is Peter. Peter, James, and John. So, if they were thinking, they were thinking up front, they were saying, well, 
Peter is our problem also. We want to put Peter down so that they will be right on, on the right and the left, so that Peter will be secondary to them. Is that what they have in mind? But somehow they said, we want to make sure that it's, we are number one, number two, so Peter can be number three, <laughs> so to speak. Because we are already, they are already in Asako. So what are they asking for? It looks like they are asking for Peter to be number three, so they will be number one, number two, number on the right, on the left. But see, uh, they, is that, but you see, the point is they have some faith in this kingdom. You have to remember, it's also faith. It takes faith to even be asking for that. Because they are saying this kingdom is about to appear when we get to Jerusalem. Even though they didn't understand what this kingdom that's going to appear will look like, they were thinking Jesus Christ is going to start a earthly kingdom where Roman Empire will no more be ruling over them and he will be king. And they are trying to secure positions for themselves in that kingdom. See, that takes faith to even be secure in position. Like, you remember the story of uh, Jacob in Egypt? He was already dividing the land of Canaan that they have not conquered yet. He was dividing it for his 12 or, 12 or, 12 or 13 uh, sons. He said, Joseph, I've given you two portions. I give your brothers one more portion. What land is he talking about? Did he buy the land? No, he's saying they are going to take it by the sword. He said, I've, I've taken it by my bow by my arrow. It means they're going to have to fight for it when they get there in the future, 400 years to come. But he was already dividing it in by faith. That's what faith is. So these brethren, James and John, we can't we can't shide with them too much because they are exercising faith. That they actually believe that this kingdom is is, is so real that they want to begin to position themselves for that kingdom. They want this right hand side and left hand side. So Jesus Christ answered them this way. Was at it. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Christ was trying to tell them that all these positions that we are trying to grab, we want to be great. There are some price to pay. And he was telling them that even he himself is paying a price. As to say, the cup he's drinking is the crucifixion. It will be nailed to the tree and bleed to death, and that is for a purpose of us. But it's a cross, it's a crucifixion. He said, That's the cup I'm going to drink. Anyone that's going to be great like that, also, we have to pass through some tests, some type of trial, some type of trouble, tribulations, and drinking some hard cup like that. That is what he meant that everyone that's going to get a glory like that we drink some hard cup, just like he does. So he said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink? Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They didn't even know what that cup really is or what the baptism is. They said, yeah, I'm ready for that. And they said unto him, we can. I mean, they wanted, to, they wanted anything to get. Anything just to get this position. And Jesus said unto them, well, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with, shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. So the Lord is saying, well, knowing that you are already following me, which means every one of us, including the apostles, they are all going to drink of similar cup, not the same type of cup that Christ drinks. Not that everyone will have to be crucified, that everyone will have to go through some persecution. Because many of them were killed. In fact, James, we know in the book of Acts of the Apostles, 
James, the brother of John, the sons of Jabez. He was the first one that was killed by Herod. That was a cup indeed, a cup of sorrow. That's why a cup of sorrow. But he was the first one to be killed. So that was, he said, he knew that every one of them was going to suffer things. So he said, yeah, you are all going to drink similar thing. But that is not the qualification to be on the right or the left. That is already given by my father. That's why he said, it's not for me to give that to him. It is already given. He said that. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. See, God is the one that is preparing it for whom it is prepared. It's almost like predestination or foreknowledge. God knows who are going to be on the right hand of Christ, on the left hand of Christ. It's already prepared. And that is predestination of foreknowledge of God. So people can ask for it, but they will not get it because it is already for knowledge and ordained. Verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, I mean, the people, the other ten disciples heard about what James and John were asking for. They said, well, he, you want to be ruler over us? And the devil is trying to bring in some envy, strife among them. So Jesus has to straighten them up again. In verse 42, Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they are great ones exercise authority over upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Christ is saying, anyone that wants to be the greatest, like I said in the earlier chapter, the one that is serving, like in the in the restaurant, the waitress is actually the one in charge. You that just came in to eat, you are a guest. And the, one, the person that is in charge, that know the in and out of this restaurant is the waitress. You could have, she, the waitress could have served be the owner of the, of the restaurant also. But she is the one serving. He said that anyone that is serving is the greatest. That's what Christ is saying. That in his kingdom, that is how it should be. So shall it be, so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Minister is servant, steward, the server. Verse 44. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. If you want to be the chiefest, you just be, you take your apron and be the server for everybody. Then you are the chiefest. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be minister unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The Lord is saying he came to minister, even though he is the Lord of all, but he was ministering and giving his life for us. So we have to have the same humility as the scripture teaches us. Verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And he called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, be of good comfort. Rise, rise, he called thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now people have preached many things on this one that the man could have heard stories that 
This is my rabbi called Jesus is healing the sick, he's making the lame to walk, making the blind to see. And but he was in Galilee. But this man just knew about all those stories and one day they had the crowd, everybody moving. What's going on? What's going on? Say, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. That Jesus I thought about that could heal the blind. So the man said, That's my opportunity. And he's passing this way here, he's crossing this street. And he started screaming so that Jesus can hear. Half mess up on me, half mess up on me, half mess up on me. He's screaming, crying out loud so that anybody that is this. People thought, well, this is rude. Shut up. I mean, that's why everybody will respond to him. This is rude. Why are you crying his name like that? Shut up. But he kept crying. But now the Lord Jesus stopped and said, go get that man that was crying to me. So now they call, well, now be of comfort, be of good comfort. He's calling you now. So the man threw anything that could hinder him away and came to Jesus. Casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. But 51 said, and Jesus answered and said unto him, now look at that. What will thou that I should do unto thee? So the Lord Jesus Christ is very gentle. God is not going to force himself upon you. He said, but didn't, didn't he know that the man was blind? He could see that the man was blind. He could see the man was blind. He said, I have promise, all he said. And he knew that somebody brought the man, so he knew that the man couldn't see. Not that he himself, the man himself that ran there. No, the, somebody would have led the man by the hand and brought him before Jesus Christ. So he knew that the man was not, but he didn't. Perhaps the man is not looking for that. And some people, they wanted this, not that. Maybe they just, just wanted money. No, so. Because that's what they just have made some money. Every beggar always say, have made some money, no, so. So this time, he's also begging for something, but half minutes upon me could be he needed more money because everybody's going to be dropping coins into his pay, into his pocket. So he had a Jesus is passing by, oh, half minutes upon me, Jesus, half minutes upon me, what, what do you want? If you say, I have not eaten since yesterday, give him some money to, 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 to go. So, but see, he has to say with his own man, what do you want? So Jesus Christ said, what will thou that I should do unto thee? If the Lord asks you that, what will you ask, what will you answer back? One thing that is that is paramount in your heart, what will you ask? What will you ask? And look at even Moses in Egypt. When the Lord told him to go, he said, well, gee, I cannot talk. I'm even in stamina. So up to, I'm still talking to you. Since I've been talking to you, I'm still stammering. That's really permanent in the Sabbath. God didn't fix that. God said, no, I won't fix that. God didn't fix that. So, but say, what will thou that I should do unto you? That man said, the blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. See, the faith of the man make him whole. That's what Jesus Christ said. What faith? Faith that he believed that this rabbi can give him his sight. That's what he meant. That's the faith. He has heard the stories about the rabbi made the lame man to walk. The rabbi, Jesus, made the blind man to see. He heard about the, the lepers were placed. And it's his opportunity. So what do you want the most? He didn't say, I need some money. I need to get, a, I need some food. No, he said, that I might receive my sight. That is the promise in his heart. I say, okay. You believe I can do that? Receive it. And he man got it. The good way that faith has made you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on, in the way. So we must have our mindset that this is our promise. And he is the one that can do this. Ask him, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Maybe say one thing. 
and you have 10 things to ask. Maybe you can do all, you can do all the 10, not so. But your faith can get all the 10, but just ask. He has asking this faith. Father, we ask for ourselves, my God, restoration. Restoration from head to toe of our body because you are able to do it. That's why we ask you, Lord. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. This will be the end of Mark chapter 10. And we'll continue this in chapter 11. God bless you.